the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is sponsored by Ron Geyer Roofing. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Hi everybody, Ron Geyer here again with End Time Insights. Thanks for listening to our show. We appreciate it. I've got a great study today. I won't get done with it. It's titled, This Means War. We're going to talk about the Christian role in defense of the gospel in the pursuit of souls. But first, I want to give you something. One of the great Bible teachers, one of the great leaders of the church in Houston, Texas, Pastor Steve Riggle, I'm sure you've heard of him, He has been getting involved in trying to get Texas back on its feet after the closings that have been going on. And he wrote out a letter. You can check it under Steve Riggle. And I just wanted to give you a quote of his. He encourages us to call the governor. The governor's done really good. He seems to be fading here at the end. Some of the stuff he's doing, I don't understand. And like I said, he started out so well concerning Uh, defending Texas and the Constitution and the Texas Constitution and the people of Texas against some of these really, what's the word, asinine edicts that have come down regarding closing the economy and shutting down churches and everything. And so we want to pray him through and get him through these last couple of weeks as we get ready to open up our state again. And let me give you the governor number because you should call him and encourage him, let him know you appreciate him. But also let him know it's time to get back to work. It's Governor Abbott, 512-463-2000. Or you can call Dan Patrick. You know who Dan Patrick is, Lieutenant Governor, 512-463-0001. And just let them know and tell them we need Texas open now. Uh, The quote that I want to give you from uh, Pastor Riggle is this. You could read the data and interpret it that protecting some has actually become needlessly punishing all. And that's happening on a national scale. The overreaction to the virus is causing more stress than the virus had the potential to cause. And we just need to realize that. And the church needs to pray. The church needs to decree. The church needs to obey God and fight. Fight through this so that we can go ahead and get our nation back where it's supposed to be. And once again, repentance is going to be the key to that. But I did want to talk about the warfare that is going on, the warfare that needs to be engaged in by the church. It's so important. I know it's not a great topic. I know many pastors don't really take the time to break it down and to initiate the church and let them know how this warfare is supposed to proceed. But Paul does a great job about that. And once again, the name of this is going to be This Means War. I'm sure I've got at least two weeks out of it. Uh, Reading some Bible commentaries in addition to my Bible study, Dave Gusek, as always, I love him. And I'm reading a book by Rick Renner. He's great. Uh, It's called Life in the Combat Zone. 
And it's wonderful. I'm going to get a couple of quotes out of his book as we move on today. But let me get started. The opening scripture I want to give you is found in Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to break it down one verse at a time. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. That's a, a great encouragement. The church needs to awake. You know, when we accept Christ, our spirits, you know, God doesn't make bad people good. He makes dead people alive. And what he does, he enlightens our spirits, gives them life and light through the indwelling baptism in the Holy Spirit of God. So this is not just a statement about referencing the new birth where we become born again and our spirits are made new and given light by Christ, but it has a double meaning here also. We are the children of light now. We don't grope around in the dark sightless. Our eyes are open. Christ has given us his word. It's a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. We know where to go. We're supposed to know what to say, what to do, and how to get to where we're supposed to be going. And that's why Paul is encouraging the church at Ephesus Awake, thou that sleepest. Get up. Wake up. Come on. Let's get to work. Arise from the dead. You're no longer dead. You're alive. You're representing the kingdom of heaven. Verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise people. Because that we're called to be awake. Because that we're called to shine in dark places. He says, Make sure that you're walking wisely. We don't walk as the foolish do. We don't walk according to the lusts of the world. We don't walk following the deceits of the enemy. We don't walk based on the trickery of the wily deceiver, Satan. And we've seen that today. It seems the church is following the ways of the world concerning the current uh, calamity facing us through the overreaction to the China virus. We need to be wise. We're not walking foolishly. Now, I understand people want to be safe, and that's of the utmost importance. And the problem is, though, we're relying on the the science, the wisdom of the scientists, the wisdom of the medical people. Some of them are very good. Some of them have an agenda. Some of them are attached to the World Health Organization, the CDC, which are filled with people who are intent on removing your right to vote President Trump in as another term as the president of the United States. They're attempting to disrupt the election. And all the stops are pulling out. And once again, you're going to learn now that our enemies, they're not these people. You know, they're under the control of Satan. Just as us, the Bible says, uh, he is led by the Spirit of God, who's born of the Spirit of God. Well, those two are these people. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you are of your father, the devil. And so there's a spiritual control over these people. They probably don't even know it. And yet they are being told what to do by satanic forces that are giving us false information, that are giving us false counsel, that are spreading false fear. And so we need to combat that. That's what the church is all about. Ephesians five fourteen through 17, 14 again. Wherefore he saith, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. See then that you walk circumspectly, that means wisely, not as fools, but as wise people, redeeming the time because the days are evil. And here we are, that phrase again, evil days. In the last days, the days are going to be evil. We are to be redeeming the time. And that is rather, we are to be making purchases that reflect who we are. That's what redeeming means. We are making purchases that are going to enhance the kingdom of heaven, that are going to win the lost to Christ, that are going to build faith in the body, that are going to reveal the truth and love to those that we come in contact with. To be making these purchases, why are we redeeming this time? Because the days are evil. You know, we're not wasting foolishness, buying silly things, not buying things that are a necessity for uh, helping other people in need. 
You know, it's the advancement of the kingdom. That should be our goal. Uh, We're supposed to be building the kingdom of God on the earth. People say that all the time. No, we're not building the kingdom of God on the earth. We're representing the kingdom of God on the earth. That's a totally different concept. And we need to be wise about that. Verse 17, wherefore, be not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. I think I have a good insight into what the will of the Lord is concerning our nation, concerning me being a saint in the body of Christ. I am not doing things we're not called to do. I'm not coming up with my own plans. I don't have ideas that are mine and I start to implement them and say that that's representative of the kingdom of God, of the will of God. No, he tells us right there, don't miss up what God is telling you to do. Don't be unwise. Understand what the will of the Lord is. And I learned this my first year as a baby Christian. His will is his word. His word is his will and his will is his word. Jesus is building the church. I am not setting up a kingdom here on the earth. I am representing the kingdom. I am an ambassador to Christ. Ambassadors, they do not build, rebuild nations. All they do is represent their nation in the nation in which they're assigned to work. And that's what we're doing. We're representing the kingdom of heaven to my call, the nation of America, the city of Houston, Texas. That's where I am living. That is my mission field. That is where I am an ambassador to. If I try to set up the kingdom of heaven here, Jesus said, no, that's not my will. I could call uh, angels and I'd set a legion of angels here and they could do that business. You represent the kingdom. I'll build the church. And when I come back during the millennial reign of Christ, then we'll set up the kingdom of heaven. Let's get this right, folks. And once again, the word, what is his will? His will is his word. Guys, all you got to do is read the Bible and you'll find out what the will of God is. Read the Bible. One of the assaults that we're under is the passion, the love for the word of God has been removed from the pulpit. And we get our inspiration from our leaders from the pulpit. If they would just stay in the word of God, if they would show us that they had a love for God, if they would show us that they had a respect for the word of God, if they would show us that they would let the word of God lead them and guide them in the way that they should go, that would infiltrate down to us the newest baby Christian, and we too would love the word of God. It worked for me. When I got born again, I was under these ministers. I loved it. They would quote scriptures. They would explain scriptures. They didn't tell you about the Bible. They taught you the Bible. You know, I didn't have a confrontation uh, that was telling me the uh, with the gospel. You know, the gospel is not just here to influence you. The gospel is here to disciple you. You know, man is not called to disciple you of his own wisdom, of his own strength. Man is called to use the word of God to make disciples. But Hebrews 1.1, you want to know how God talks to us? In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets. You know, the Jews, they heard the prophets. And many times, God spoke to them through the prophets and in many different ways, in many different situations. But he says here, but in these last days, God has spoken to us by his son, Jesus Christ. People say, well, I don't hear God. I don't know his voice. You must train yourself to hear his voice by reading the Bible. You know, we know the scripture, for God so loved the world. We know that. That is the impetus. That is the first scripture that many people ever learn the fact uh, from the Bible, the fact that God loves them. But that's the Bible. That's how he begins the process of building the relationship with us by talking to us. Then we repent of our sins. We receive Christ. He comes and lives inside us. And then we have the Holy Spirit inside of us, leading us and guiding us in the way that we should go. 
We're talking about warfare. We're talking about that this means war, that there's warfare going on in the spirit realm all the time. There's a current huge battle going on for America right now. And we at the church have a role to play. Jesus said in Luke ten 19, I'm probably going to camp here for a minute. Good stuff. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. So here we see Jesus telling his disciples, look, I'm giving you power, which is great. Then he tells them, what are you supposed to be doing with this power? With this power, you are to tread on serpents, you are to tread on scorpions, and this power is going to be over all of the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means harm you. So we see here Jesus is about to send the disciples out and he wants them to represent the kingdom. But he doesn't want them going out there in their own strength. He wants them going out there in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. But it's so much power that he gives them the ability to have dominion over Satan and his works. Let me read this in the Passion Translation. It's Luke ten nineteen. Once again, I'm not a huge fan of the Passion Translation because it tends to water down and weaken the impact that uh, King James has when it reads you out of the original um, King's uh, language. But this is a uh, Passion Translation, Luke ten nineteen. Now you understand that I have imparted to you all my authority to trample over Satan's kingdom. You will trample upon every demon before you, and you will overcome every power that Satan possesses. Absolutely nothing will be able to harm you as you walk in this authority. So we see we have the authority there to be used and... You don't need authority if you're not in in a battle. But if you are about to represent somebody else's kingdom, somebody else's mindset, somebody else's view, somebody else's, how shall I say, somebody else's uh, edicts for the earth, for your lifestyle, you need authority and you need that power to make sure that when the enemy tries to stop you, he loses. It's so important, you know, because we're born again, children of God. We now live in Christ. 56 times in the New Testament, it uses the phrase in Christ in one form or another. You are literally in Christ. You are no longer of the world. You are now in Christ. And Bible commentator Meyer writes it like this. If you dare live in the risen Christ, you share his empire and all the fruits of his victory over Satan. That's where your authority lies. Okay. The fact that you are in Christ Jesus. I want to drive home the point, though, that we are in a battle, and it's one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 6. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and everything or every high thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God and bringing under captivity, here we go, every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus and having a readiness to avenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. It's a mouthful. It's fabulous. I'm going to break it down. This will correct some of the false thinking out there. A lot of people think that the mind is the battlefield where you and Satan go back and forth fighting over who gets to control your thought life. Well, this scripture says right here, you are to cast down imaginations and every high thought that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and you are to bring into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ Jesus. You are to cast down imaginations. You are to bring under captivity every thought to the obedience of Ron Geyer. No, that's going to fail every time. I'm not relying on the strength of Ron Geyer to get these thoughts under control. It says the obedience of Christ Jesus. Well, how on earth do I walk in the obedience of Christ Jesus? You read the Bible. 
Remember, I just told you 56 times in the New Testament, the Bible says you are in Christ. Once you get a hold of this scripture, it will set you free on your thought life. No longer will you think the mind is a battlefield. You know, the Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by faith, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I am in Christ. I am a new creature. Ron Geyer is dead. Ron Geyer, who dwelt in the midst of sexual sin and pornography, dead. Ron Geyer, the liar, dead. Ron Geyer, the thief, dead. That's not Ron Geyer, the drug addict, dead. All that died when I accepted Christ Jesus. I am a new creature. One of the benefits of being a new creature now is that I have the mind of Christ. You're going to see 2 Corinthians 10, 4, and 6. He's talking about the mind of Christ as your weapon in this warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. Okay, what is he talking about? What is the subject of this sentence? Let's go back to English in school, fifth, sixth grade. What is the subject of that sentence? The weapons of our warfare. He is going to tell you what one of these weapons is. The weapons of our warfare, they're not carnal, but they're mighty through God, so mighty that they can pull down strongholds. So right there in verse four, number one, we have weapons. Why do we have weapons? Because we are in a warfare. But those weapons, they are not carnal. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against spiritual wickedness in high places. So we see we're in a warfare. We see Paul says we have weapons, S at the end of it. And he says they are so mighty, only through God, they are mighty through God, that they're strong enough to pull down Satan's strongholds that he has in other people's lives. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And then he goes on to tell you in verse 5 what one of those most powerful weapons is. He's going to define, he's going to describe for you the mind of Christ. Casting down imaginations, your thought life, and every high thing or thought that would exalt itself against the knowledge of God. For instance, uh, the knowledge of God. What's the knowledge of God? The knowledge of God is that we were made by God in his image. What is the lie from the homosexual community that God made uh, homosexual love between a man and a man and a woman and a woman? That is a lie. What am I supposed to do with that? Well, since that uh, so-called truth by the homosexual community violates the word of God, the Bible says, I am to cast down that thought because it exalts itself against the truth, against the word of God that we were not made that way. We were made in the image of God. That then is filed in my mind as I start renewing my mind, reading the Bible, renewing my mind, and my mind is no longer the mind of Ron Geyer. I have traded that in for an upgrade. It's Ron Geyer, what was it, point two? And I now have the mind of Christ where I am able to give him honor through my thought life. So there we go. You see right there, we are in war. We have weapons. They're not carnal. It's a spiritual fight. They are mighty enough to pull down strongholds. That goes hand in hand with the scripture in Luke ten nineteen. Behold, I give you power, authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And then we see here now that one of those is the mind of Christ. I personally think that you got the blood of Jesus, you got the name of Jesus, you've got the word of God, and you've got the mind of Christ. Man, you got the sword of the spirit. I mean, there's just so many. But these are power-packed promises from the kingdom of God to help you fight a victorious fight in the realm of the spirit. In Rick Renner's book, It's Life in the Combat Zone, he makes this statement, and it's so important, you know, because here we are, we're going to talk about all the weapons, we're going to talk about, Paul's going to teach us how to use them, Uh, but Rick Renner 
warns us right now that you just don't haphazardly use these weapons. I'm going to read you a short paragraph. Rick Renner, I can personally testify to many satanic attacks that have come against my family and me as we have pressed forward to take new territory for the kingdom of God over the years. The enemy is always looking for ways to sabotage the life of a true frontline soldier. Therefore, in order to stand our ground and fight, we as believers have to live lives that leave no doors open to the enemy. Did you catch that? In order for this stuff to work, in order for you to be successful in your spiritual warfare, in order for you to engage the enemy and run him off or restrain his assault, you must live a life as a believer where you have no doors open to the enemy. That is so important. I want to read you the scripture in First uh, Peter 4.1. It's something not many people preach on, but it's important. I'm trying to show you that the mind of Christ is one of your strongest weapons. And I know people, famous people wrote a book, The Battlefield of the Mind. Your mind is not the battlefield. Your mind is a weapon. I just showed you in Second Corinthians 10 where Paul says the mind of Christ is a weapon. Let me show you what Peter says about it. For... First Peter four one for then for as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. So what he's telling you is for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. He's saying arm yourself, arm. That's a word of weaponry. He wants you to arm yourself with the thinking, with the thought, with the mind that Christ had, that he suffered in the flesh, and therefore that was able to release him from any hold that sin may have had on him. We're supposed to think like that also. Let me give you another scripture to show you that your mind is not the battlefield. Your mind is a weapon. Paul back in Romans seven twenty five, I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So then with the mind, I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh, the law of sin. He's telling you he has his mind and his mind is set apart for service to God. That does not sound like double mindedness to me. Listen to Jesus when he talks about this. Uh, James is talking about uh, what Jesus was talking about. He says, let that man, that double minded man, Think that he'll receive anything of the Lord. For a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. If your mind was the battleground, man, you'd be schizo. You know, you'd be having second thoughts about everything. Well, God loves me. Well, maybe he doesn't love me. I sinned. That is not victorious thinking. That is not the mind of Christ. That is confusion. The Bible says we're envying and and envying what is it? Envy and strife is there is confusion and every evil work. You are supposed to be stable in your thinking. You have the mind of Christ. You must renew it in the word of God. The more you read the Bible, the greater the bullets in your mind are that you can go ahead and control your thought, your thinking, your thought pattern, that you are not giving away your mind to fantasies. You're not being impacted by everything you see or everything you hear. You know, concerning the coronavirus, Satan has us right where he wants us. We have literally shut down our nation in response to the virus. The virus, need to understand this, the virus is real and the people that are sick are really sick. And the people that are dead are really dead. That's real. That's beyond debate. But the numbers they are giving us about how many people are sick, the numbers they are giving us about how many people are dying are false. It has been proven. It will continue to be proven 
that they, the globalists, those who are willing to take down America, those who hate the church, who hate Christianity, those who hate President Trump, they do not like what has happened in America. America is being turned back towards righteousness through our president. He has appointed Christian men and women all throughout his cabinet. Prayer is back in school. The Bible reading is back in school. We are fighting against abortion to remove funding for abortion. And it's just a matter of time before the illicit living of the homosexual community will be brought into the light of God. They'll have the opportunity to repent and receive forgiveness and come into the kingdom of heaven. But we've given away grounds on this in the last 20 years. But President Trump, through his administration, through his being led by the Holy Spirit of God, through the prayers of the church, he has the right mind concerning this stuff. And he's taking us back towards that direction. The world hates it. Satan hates it. That's why we as a church need to learn how to pray, how to fight, how to withstand the enemy's lies. We've been deceived. The Bible calls him in Ephesians, the wily devil. The Bible says that he tricks us with deception. And that's where we are in America today. We need to fight against that. We're going to help you. We're going to teach you about that. Once again, we're out of time, but let me remind you, write or call Governor Abbott and let him know you believe it's time to put Texas back to work. We're not going to be deceived into shutting down any longer. Amen. I'm Ron Geyer. These are End Time Insights. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8 on 100.7 The Word, where faith comes by hearing. You can also listen to the podcast of this program by going to kkht.com. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.